Around Comics, Episode 44. Chicago, this is Around Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the producer of the show, Brian Salazar. I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do is pretty lame. (laughs) We have our Around Comics regular, Mr. Tom Caters. I'm considered a controversial figure in accounting. We have a heck of a show planned for you today, folks. We're going to be talking with one of the true creative giants of the last 30 years, Mr. John Byrne. After that, we will be going over the past week's comic book headlines in Wired Wire comic book news. That is if we still exist. If we survive the experience. John hasn't killed us all. (laughs) Ban us from our rage. I, I think it's going to go just fine. <laughs> It'll go fine. We'll then be giving you our top of the stack reviews and recommendations. Uh, but before we get to all of that fun stuff, I would like to let everyone know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by GeekArmor.com. Let Tom, me tell you something about Geek Armor. Tom, could you tell the fine folks about sure. GeekArmor.com? They sell t-shirts with the geek in mind, featuring a great selection of comic book t-shirts as well as video game science fiction, television, and movie or talkie <laughs> picture shirts. You're sure to find something you like. Check out their latest original design, a red shirt with a phaser hole on the front that reads, I went on an away mission, all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Which, if you don't watch Star Trek, you probably don't get. But email me if you want to know what the joke is. I just got my favorite new tunic <laughs> from my, my picto-pet-penny... <laughs> What was that? Penny Arcade? I don't know. Um, Go on. Hey, and now the good folks at Geek Armor are offering a 10% discount to all Around Comics listeners. Just use the coupon code Around Comics, all one word, when placing your order, and receive an additional 10% off. GeekArmor.com. Check them out today. All right. Thank you, Tom, for that inspired reading. Sing song. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone that Around Comics is recorded every Friday from 7 to 9 at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. Our July, August uh, contest is over. over. Congratulations, uh, Jersey Drozd uh, from Lake Like a Tree Comics. You'll be getting your... And, and I, I did put up all the... Uh, entries on our forum and also on the contest page today. So oh, awesome. You can see everybody's entries now. Great. That was a really fun contest of Draw Tom's Comic, but we have a, uh, a brand spanking new contest for September. Sal, would you like to let the folks know about that? Absolutely. Our new contest is a uh, trivia challenge. Basically, we set up a, uh, a trivia site through uh, funtrivia.com, but you can get to it through our website. Just go to our contest page, and it'll tell you all the details. And it's all comic book trivia. And every day you go there and can answer ten random comic book trivia questions. The more you get right in the least amount of time, the more points you get. And at the end of the month, whoever has the most points 
wins. And what they win this month is different than what we've given away in the past. Dark Tower Comics is sponsoring our contest now. And rather than a trade of your choice, you're going to get a prize pack Ooh. from Dark Tower Comics. They're going to put is together... A mystery prize pack? I, I think it's just going to be a collection it's of gonna stuff be from Dark Tower. It's going to be Quarter bucks, no, $25. no, but but I, I think a, 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 sta- a standard a standard addition to every contest prize that we have is going to be ten hand selected. Someone's going to get a from, Jerry from... Lewis meets Batman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the September contest, we'll get people are already playing. On. So if you haven't gone to our forum, you're already a little bit behind. Yeah, you because, don't have yeah. you don't have to play every day. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you can play whenever you feel like it, but it doesn't take very long. And the more often you play, you can only play once a day. But the more often you do, the the better your odds are at getting points. And up, people so. on the forum are already loving it. Yeah, and it's yeah. fine. And the questions are not easy. Some yeah. are easy. Some are really hard. And <laughs> Spider-Man was blanked by a radioactive spider. And then the next one's like, <laughs> Batman once gave a dollar to someone. What was that person's name? And what was their job? <laughs> and what issue? <laughs> All right, guys. The listener LCS challenge. We've been talking about this for the last couple months. It's a chance for you to uh, do well so solid. You can download our. PDF flyer of the show and have uh, your local comic shop manager or owner put comic that up, in the, put it up in the store. Uh, we actually did have someone do this for us. Dan C, our uh, good friend, Papercut from the forum in Minnesota, had his shop, The Source Comics and Games, at 1601 West Lappin Tour Avenue in Falcon Heights, Minnesota. Now displays the Around Comics flyer. So. Dan and Source Comics, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Yes, yes. Uh, the hotline. Uh, go to our homepage, and there's a hotline number. You can give us a, a call, leave us a voicemail. We actually have a hotline that we're going to play a little bit later in the episode. It's someone that uh, called in. It's uh, uh, Chris Chavez, Equinox from the forum. Equinox left us a nice little message. Mm-hmm. So, And some salutations for John Byrne, so we'll hear that a little bit later. He stepped up to the plate, <laughs> unlike the rest of you uh, lazy bastards yeah. out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fat asses is how much yeah. to call you. Oh boy, now we're pissing Always, off more yeah. people. Hey, Way I'm a go. fat ass. I can call it the people. Everyone fat wants ass. something for free. Well, sometimes you got to work a little bit to get it. <laughs> Stop. Okay, shop it around comics. Sal, how's the store going at the at, at the at the site? We've sold three thongs. No, we haven't <laughs> sold any thongs. We uh, the shop. I, I think I got the 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 bugs <laughs> worked out of it, and uh, it's cool. We can buy shirts for around comic shirts, hats, coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. Um, and we, you Coffee know, mugs. And a round comics child. Buttons. <laughs> yes, there we are auctioning off um, <laughs> discarded children. You can, win, no. you can win an orphan child with an around comics um, tattooed <laughs> on its chest. And then there's also the Amazon store that you can buy books and DVDs and all that good stuff that you get from Amazon through us and help us out a little bit. All right. And the last part, uh, Podcast Alley. It's uh, a new month. Drop us uh, a vote there, if you would, please. iTunes and, reviews. And my favorite, the iTunes music reviews. Be like Andy Parks. That's Be right. Be that cool. Yeah. Because Andy yeah. Andy left us uh, a review, mm. and he was an awesome Can I tell you something funny? Sure. So I, I, I Is it going to be funny? Well, it's kind of funny. Um, one of the uh, things I did recently with the site is I put up a little, a little thing on the right-hand side that's little quotes of people, mm-hmm. people things, you know, nice things people have said about our show. <laughs> and I started getting those from iTunes, you know, and you can go in there and look at them, and I have to retranscribe them. And it doesn't always tell you the name of the person, you know, it gives you a funky name yeah. or it'll give you half the name. Well, I saw one that was really nice, and, and it was John S., so I assumed it was John Suntress. 
from Word Balloon. <laughs> it uh, wasn't. And, and I put it up there as John Suntress, you know, uh, uh, host of And John emailed Word. you? No, John didn't email me, but the guy who actually wrote the uh, review, John Sokol. Oh, John Sokol, sure. <laughs> he, he emailed me today. He said, hey, uh, by the way, that quote's for me, not from John Suntress. I'm like, oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> so I, so if you see I, a quote I, there from Stan Lee. Yeah. That's why I have two things Stan to say. Liebold. First of all, John Sokol, great forum member, really good guy, and John Suntress does need to leave us a review because yeah, he, he keeps telling me he's going to. All right, guys. You will. I have him. I have him by the proverbial short and curlies right now because the, the I'm, short I'm, website design curlies. Yes, you'll soon <laughs> be seeing an all new wordballoon.com website, awesome. and it's going to be cool, but not as cool as ours. All right, well, guys, I have a feeling that there are probably a few people out there listening that are like, "Hurry up, hurry up, get to the interview." That's why I downloaded this ignorant podcast. Yeah, so yeah. Well, it's a shame what, we're going to have to do uh, 25 minutes worth of news now. Yeah. <laughs> we're just kind of on the Sorry, you're Sorry, just going to have to wait. It's... Fast forward. No, kidding. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, not, uh, let's not keep the people waiting any longer. Let's uh, move ahead and talk with Mr. John Byrne. Mr. Byrne, uh, welcome to Around Comics, and thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk with us this evening. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, we've been you know, looking at the volume that is your career over the last <laughs> couple of weeks preparing for the interview, and, and there's so much out there that really the, the obvious question to get things started is drawing on your experience as a creator, uh, what have you seen as the most important changes in the industry since your career started? Oh, boy. Well, uh, let's see. If we take my career as starting around 1974, then probably um, the most important change has been the, uh, the, 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 well, let's call it duck a duck, the money, uh, the, the coming of incentives and royalties and the, uh, the people who actually do the work getting a piece of the profits. That was a tremendous step, and it impacted everybody's lives uh, enormously when that kicked in, which was about, I think, 82, 83. Um, just made a, an astonishing change and turned what was essentially a, a bunch of uh, sharecroppers and indentured servitude-type slave labor into, into genuine professionals, as, as the term is used in the real world. Well, did you see, and, and, you know, I remember probably, you know, I'm, I'm 33 years old, and I remember a time when it was rare that the creators were on the cover of comics, and, and now that's, you know, the, the name creators are a big draw. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you remember when that started to be the trend in the industry, when that started to happen? I'm sure that kind of correlates whenever creators started to see some of the, the benefits yeah. of, of their names. Yeah, once the uh, once the companies realized that they could sell creators as product, uh, you started to see a much greater emphasis on on the superstars. Uh, I, I wasn't quite so much a superstar anymore when this started to happen, but uh, it uh, the, the, the sort of what do they call them? The sort of rock stars uh, that have come along have benefited very much from the combination of the uh, the, the the royalties and the. Uh, the willingness of the company to promote the creators, even sometimes above the characters. Not that that's necessarily a good thing. Um, I have a question, and this is Tom speaking. Uh, are you disappointed that you never got named a Marvel Young Gun? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking as an old-timer, <laughs> I don't out. think I ever had a chance. You uh, know? I, I actually yeah. do have a, a real question. Um, 
you've worked a lot on characters that you didn't necessarily create, and you've done really fantastic work on stuff like Fantastic Four and Superman. Uh, when you take on a project like that, and you write what a lot of people consider the definitive version of it, is it a case where it strikes you like a lightning bolt, what you need to do with those characters, or is it something where you get it handed to you, and then you got to think, how am I going to do something with these characters? It's, it's kind of a mixture of both, really. Uh, it, it depends entirely on the character. I, I mean, when you, when you take somebody like Superman, I had been grumbling uh, off on the sidelines about how DC didn't know what to do with Superman uh, for about ten years. And then uh, I went off contract at Marvel, and, and almost before the, the contract was finished, Dick Giordano called me up and said, okay, wise guy, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> and that was... Uh, that was kind of a thunderbolt. So I, uh, I made up a list of what I called my 20 unreasonable demands, and they accepted 19 of them. So you know, I was like, oh, okay, they're serious about this. Yeah. And then with something like the Fantastic Four, well, of course, I'd been a fan forever. And uh, on the X-Men, I was starting to get that, that itch that I thought, you know, I, I can put the words in the pictures just as easily as I can put the pictures in the pictures. And uh, so Shooter one day said, well, do you want to write the Fantastic Four? Which is, you know, a little bit like saying, you know, do you want to walk hand in hand with God when you think about <laughs> wow. the, uh, the, the the heritage, even though the book had fallen on hard times on and off, but it was still that book that had started the Marvel Universe. And I said, oh, oh okay. And of course, originally I was supposed to be writing it with Bill Sienkiewicz drawing it, and then Bill decided he wanted to concentrate on Moon Knight, which I think was a very smart move on his part. And we didn't have an artist, so I kind of went, oh, gee, well, you know, I can draw. <laughs> and, I know how to uh, do that. <laughs> ended up leaving the X-Men, for which I know many fans have never forgiven me. <laughs> well, yeah, that ways, led on to ways, and I think the people that look at that run on Fantastic Four will forgive you for that. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'm sure we'll get a few who disagree. Well, you know, the, the first question off, off of that, that that, you know, I have to ask is, what was the 20th thing on the list about Superman? The twentieth thing on the list about Superman uh, was that I was I was presented with a when I took on Superman the first thing I did was sort of look at all the things that were canon you know that we accept this automatically and kind of said okay why do we accept this automatically and it was stuff like when was Superman ever stupid enough to say hey you know I have a secret identity you know so why would people think he did and things like that and one of the things was well how do we know Kryptonite can kill him. You know, he's the only one. That's kind of a test of destruction. You know, if we if we find out the kryptonite can actually kill Superman, then Superman is dead. So I came up with the idea that rather than baby Kal-El being sent to Earth, pregnant Lara would be sent to Earth. And she'd arrive, and she'd have the baby, and then she would be the one who was encountered, with, who, who would encounter the first piece of kryptonite, and she would die. And that's how we would know, without killing Superman, that DC, or that, that kryptonite could kill Superman. And DC said, that's a little too far. That's a little too far from the canon. Let's not do that. And, and it was Jeanette, actually, who suggested that uh, we do the whole thing about how the, the, the kryptonite radiation is already leaking from the core and killing people on krypton. And I said, hey, that works. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they I, wouldn't let me bring Lara to Earth. 
Well, listening to you um, speak in interviews and, and in different articles that I've heard, you obviously have uh, what appears to be a, a very deep f- feeling for characters and their origins. And you've, I've heard you talk more than once about going back to the basics on characters like the Fantastic Four and Superman. How do you feel about those characters today and what's being done with, with those characters? Well, to be honest, I don't pay much attention. Um, when I when I did that recent nine issue stint on Action Comics uh, with with Gail, it was it was quite a surprise to find where Superman was these days. It's sort of like, wow, this isn't where I left the car. You know? <laughs> um, so that was sort of a surprise. I haven't looked at an issue of the Fantastic Four in uh, fifteen or you know however long it's been since I left it. I, it's just too painful. Um, and that's the way it is really most of the time with, uh, with the books that I handled. After I left the X-Men, I, I, uh, I couldn't look at it for five or six years. I would, like, sneak into the comic shop and flip through it so that I could look at, at the really cool Dave Cocker art and then the really cool Paul Smith art, but I couldn't bring myself to read it. And that's pretty much how I operate. So in most cases, I really don't have a clue what's going on with characters that I've done in the past. Well, Reed Richards has claws now. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, as long as they stretch. <laughs> as long as they stretch out. Long um, stretchy claws. I've seen things about um, ideas you had for doing a Captain Marvel series for DC, which I thought yeah. was pretty interesting. And I was just wondering if you if you had any opinion about sort of the the origins of that character, because that seems like a, a character in mo- that everyone seems to have problems making modern without taking something away from essentially what makes that character interesting? Yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. I mean, Captain Marvel really is, is very specific to a time and a place. And if you drag him forward into the everything must be drawn realistically, everything must be steroidic, everything must be grim and gritty, he really doesn't work. And uh, when, when I was offered Captain Marvel, and of course, you know, I was actually supposed to be going to do it, the first thing I did was say, well, how can I keep Captain Marvel? How can I keep that character? Uh, this is, what, 20 years ago now, maybe? How can I keep that character when the comics really want it to be dark and grim and gritty and, and, and all this stuff? And I decided that the, the, the solution to that was to make Fawcett City, where he lives, the nastiest place on Earth, just the worst, grittiest, grottiest, awful, but he would still be Captain Marvel. And uh, we came up with this line, the editor and I came up with this line, uh, in the city of ultimate darkness, there is a new light. And that was going to be, you know, how we would pitch the character and say, he's still Captain Marvel. He's still bold and bright and, and, and everything a hero is supposed to be, but he's in this really nasty place. So you get this, the original character, but now in, in the grim and gritty environment, without making him grim and gritty. Well, wasn't Fawcett City in Indiana? Yeah, northwest Indiana, so that's not yeah, too not far of a stretch. stretch. <laughs> uh, I have no idea where these, uh, where these Supposedly, places are supposed to be. It's I prefer not to know. Um, I'm going to... Um, back to the X-Men, which we, we touched on 
real briefly, and that was that was a defining series for me growing up. And I'm going to um, grab a question from the forum here. This is from John Sokol. He says, when you were initially on Uncanny X-Men, what was the first indication that that book was going to be as huge as it was? Was there a specific wow moment when you were doing it? Well, the first indication that it was going to be as huge as it was was when Paul Smith took over. <laughs> um, the book had been cruising along just just about oh, an inch and a half ahead of the cancellation acts for, for pretty much when Dave was doing it, when I was doing it. It had this very slow rise, and then maybe, maybe Dave lit the, the right fuse or whatever, but when Paul came on, that was when it really took off, and and people look back and they say, "Oh yeah, your your X Men was great, and it must have sold a billion copies." And I go, "No, it sold about hundred, hundred twenty-five thousand a month." And this was in the days when uh, cancellation was a hundred thousand, you know. Oh. So um, no, there was there was never so much as a whisper when when I was actually working on the book of of what was to come. It was it was a solidly popular cult book that that we could depend on just staying ahead of cancellation and, and not a whole lot more. It was all those kids sharing copies. Yeah. <laughs> and them. And then they all buy one. And then, of course, there were no royalties in those days, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about, uh, I know you've, you've been asked a, a thousand times before why you haven't gone back to something like the X-Men or, or, or the Fantastic Four, and I, I know you have a reason for that. What, hidden years doesn't count? Well, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to that one. <laughs> well, but okay. specifically, I'm talking about how how you have such a respect for Kirby and his run yeah. of and Fantastic, you know, Stan and, and and Jack's Fantastic Four, and you've even though it's been said over and over that your run is the second best, you do, you mm-hmm. don't think it's even close to to Stan and Jack's? Is that correct? No, no, I don't think it's anywhere near. And, but and, uh, it's always nice to hear that. It's always nice. When- it was second best since Kirby, and I say, well, okay, if there's about 400 light years uh, between those two points, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason I don't go back, I mean, every once in a while it, it flips through my head, because I love those characters, and I miss those characters. But, number one, they're, they're, they're miles away from where I left them, of course. And, and number two, it, it's sort of the same reason Ditko won't go, go back to Spider-Man. You know, it, it's like... My Fantastic Four has become legend in the industry and legend in fandom. And, oh, God, the worst thing in the world is to compete with your own legend. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I'd I'd love to do them again if I could somehow travel to an alternate reality where nobody would seen the previous run. But otherwise, it becomes very tough. Well, I, I was I was here in Chicago for Michael Jackson or Michael Jack Michael uh, Jor- <laughs> Michael Jordan's return to basketball and the the expectations that uh, that get laid out for for a superstar making his return whether whatever medium yeah. it is you know creative or athletic are, are huge so um, yeah. you know I, I think that anyone that you know can think of it reasonably would rather see you do something new and different than go back over over ground that you've already covered. I might end up as Michael Jordan playing baseball. <laughs> Which is even worse. Or Michael Jordan commercials <laughs> with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs>
I um, you know, we, we go back to X Men for just a moment, and, and then we'll then we'll move on to some we're, other stuff. We're not going to get away from X Men. I know. We're talking yeah, to yeah, John. Yeah, they're going to get away from. Yeah, I can't it was, get away from X Men. <laughs> it, it was, you know, like I said, it was a huge yeah, defining. Every other commission I'm asked for is X Men. I mean, oh, these guys again. <laughs> so like the unlike the FF, the the X Men, you can't get away from. No, not really. Yeah. It's it's, it's better now. I mean, that's not the number one question fans ask anymore. When are you going back to the X Men? But. Uh, it's it's still there, it's still very much there. Yeah, actually, the 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 comic that everyone asked us to ask you about was Next Men. When you're going to go back to Next Men? Yeah, that's what it's become. Yeah, we're going to go back to Next Men, and I say, well, someday I hope if the industry, I mean, it'll be a great sign that the industry has finally stabilized and isn't sitting in a corner coughing blood. Will be when I start publishing uh, Next Men again. That will be the sign. Well, how that about will be the sign? That'll mean be me saying, "Oh my God, it's safe again." <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you created some of your own works, creator own works, at a time where the industry really didn't do that do that much. Yeah. Um, but now we see that a lot more than ever before. <clears throat> Is that something you'd be interested in doing again, going in and creating some new works? Oh sure. I mean, if if I thought there was a a good solid market for it, I'd I'd, I'd do it again. Yeah. I mean, uh, people people forget that I've always been a little bit of a trailblazer in that department. You know, that, that uh, when I did Next Men, uh, none of the sort of big names had had really gone too far into that field yet, and uh, that creator own stuff yet. And uh, it was it was quite amazing to to to, to have that experience to suddenly be you know, out on your own and dangling and and I, I always defined it as. Uh, a terrifying moment when I got to issue five and realized I couldn't use Doctor Doom. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where's Nick Fury so I can jumpstart a story? Yeah. Hi, my name is Tony Danza, and you're listening to Around Comics. Hi, my name is John Romita Jr., and you are listening to Around Comics. Well, the question I had on the, on the X Men was, uh, I just recently purchased uh, two of the omnibuses from Marvel. I, I picked up the uh, Fantastic Four omnibus. I had never read the Stanley Jack Kirby era Fantastic Four, and that was a oh, great way yeah. for me to do that. But Isn't I also, that oh, it, it's fantastic. And I want to get your your thoughts on that in a minute. But I also picked up the Uncanny X Men omnibus, mm-hmm. which is a lot of of uh, your and Dave Cockrum's work and Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to pick up the omnibus yet? Yeah, they actually, uh, Marvel doesn't send me comps much, but they actually sent me a copy of that. It was one of those big don't-drop-it-on-your-foot packages. And I opened <laughs> it up saying, what the heck is this? And here's this monster book, which I, at that point, hadn't even heard of. And I flipped through it and went, holy cow, this is great. You know, I can I can get rid of my bound volumes. This is this is all in one place. Was it, was it nice to see it uh, oversized and in color as opposed to yeah. a lot of the essentials? Well, you know, I love the essentials. Let me let me say that I love seeing the stuff in black and white because mm-hmm. because it's so clean and so pure. And the closest most of us are ever going to get to the original art is, is looking at the stuff in black and white in the essentials. I'm a huge fan of black and white, mm-hmm. but I think they did a pretty nice job uh, on the omnibus stuff of of capturing what a comic book looks like. That's something that I always felt was missing in uh, in the Masterworks, was that they were a little too slick and a little too whatnot. Uh, but I, I flipped through the um, I flipped through the omnibus and said, yeah, you know, this is this is kind of cool. I like this. 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah. And now on the on the FF, like I said, that's my my first experience with Stanley Jack Kirby FF is as a 33 year old adult with a hundred dollar you know hardbound book. What was your what was your first experience with with Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four? The first Fantastic Four that I bought was issue five, uh, with you know the introduction of Doctor Doom. And uh, that was a, a strange experience on many levels because it was, it wasn't DC, you know, and, and, and I was sort of afraid that if I bought it, the DC police would come and throw me in jail. <laughs> well, they did that uh, back then. Yeah. The Crimson I, Avenger uh, would come for you. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I, um, I, 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 it was, uh, it, it's almost hard to describe what a, what a, what a, a mind-boggling experience that first issue was for me. I was, what, uh, 12 years old. Uh, I had never seen superheroes who sort of grumbled at each other or didn't get along, you know, or fought with each other. I was like, oh, my God. And then I'm a total sucker for time travel stories. And, of course, it's a time travel story. So I had these amazing characters like nothing I'd ever seen in a time travel story. And, of course, that was also uh, the first issue that Joe Sinodink. And in terms of artwork and coloring and everything else, it's probably still, to this day, my favorite issue of the Fantastic Four. I think it's just gorgeous. And then it just kept coming. You know, the next issue gives us Doom and Submariner, and you're going, oh, my God, who's this Submariner guy? Because you know, I'd missed four. And uh, it was just a, an incredible experience. And I kept reading until issue 32, uh, and then by that time, my parents had convinced me I was too old for comic books, so reluctantly I gave them up, and I, I came back, um, well, oddly, coincidentally, I, I came back to issue 132, and 100 issues had gone by, and I had to go and track down uh, all the issues I'd missed, which I did an amazing, fortuitous bit of luck. I walked into a second-hand bookstore the day after some guy had come in and liquidated his entire collection. So I, I picked up Avengers, FF, uh, Spider-Man, you name it. Just about. I didn't pick up Daredevil for some reason, but there was a huge stack of Daredevil, and I picked up all the FFs that I'd missed in one in one go. And I sat down that weekend and I read them all in one sitting. And let me tell you, never do that, <laughs> <laughs> because I. I spent the rest of the week living in a world that had been drawn by Jack Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God, where am I? But, boy, that was uh, that was just an amazing experience because, hell, I got all that stuff. You know, the, the, all, when they really hit their stride, which is around issue 45 or so, when it really goes boom, and there's mm -hmm. the FF that everybody thinks of. Yeah. And I was getting it. Like on an hourly basis rather than a monthly basis. <laughs> well, that my head my head is kind of spinning right uh, now going through yeah. the first like thirty five issues and, and so it's I a, you know well, I it's think a phenomenal experience but yeah I think it's uh, listening to you talk about that's kind of interesting because I kind of had the same experience when I was a kid. Was the first comic book I read was a uh, hundred page Flash spectacular because I got a huge mm -hmm. box of comics from like my uncle. And it's like one of those first times when you read something that matches mm -hmm. your imagination as a child, yeah. you know, like it, it reaches what you think a book can do. And you're like, whoa, because you don't experience that a lot, you know, in entertainment, something that matches no, no. what you think. You get a few of those in your lifetime if you're lucky. 
And as far as comics, I've had I've had quite a few, and I, I consider myself very lucky. Well, you you've done such a a, a large amount of work in your career. I think you've been, you know, uh, number one, very talented, and and two, oh. probably very very lucky to, to be in the industry as, as long as you you have. But through all of the comics that you have had a hand in creating, is there any one single issue that you could single out and say that's that that one is my favorite? Um, well, a father doesn't like to choose among his children, <laughs> but um, when people ask me that question, I usually say the. Uh, the Batman and Captain America book that I did. Um, because, number one, it had been sitting in my head for about 20 years, so it felt really good to get it out. And number two, it just was such a hoot to do uh, those two characters together for the, for the first time. And uh, it was the first time I had drawn that vintage of Batman with the you know, big square jaw and the short ears. <laughs> And that was the Batman, of course, who I was first introduced to, and, and introduced in black and white in British reprints. And, and the first the first page that I drew Batman on, so there he is with the big square jaw and the short ears, and he's in black and white. And I kind of looked at him and went, oh, I know this guy. I remember <laughs> this guy. And it was such a remarkable experience. And the whole the whole project was, uh, was just so great. And then we you know, you had Trish color it, so it couldn't have been better. Well, on, on the flip side of that... Can you point to any specific issue that is your favorite that you read that you didn't work on? That I read that I didn't work on? Mm -hmm. Oh, God, there's so many. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a few years ago when, uh, when Wizards did uh, something about the 100 best comics of all time. And I said, well, geez, first 100 issues of the FF, done. <laughs> In the story. Uh, it's, it's like to, to, to pick... Oh man, to pick a single a single issue, I, I I suppose I would cheat really, and I would say Fantastic Four number five, simply because of the massive impact it had on my life. You know that it that, that it just sort of turned me into this monster that I am today by 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 just grabbing that little twelve year old kid and turning his head inside out. Sure, it's kind of like picking your favorite Beatles song. You know, you yeah. just really can't do it. <laughs> It's the Yellow Submarine, Chris. Yellow yeah. <laughs> Submarine, absolutely. It's <laughs> only one right answer. It has so many layers. <laughs> and instruments. Works well, you know, you, you had talked about, and I, I don't, I think you'd find it hard to, to find someone that would disagree that you've always been a trailblazer, and sometimes that has not always worked out because maybe you were ahead of the curve. And well, <laughs> well, specifically, I'd like to talk about um, Spider-Man Chapter 1. Which yeah. was something that that you people didn't maybe appreciate, and you got a lot of criticism for. But now we look at, and I don't know if you're familiar with Ultimate Spider-Man, mm -hmm. and basically kind of doing what you did all those years ago with Spider-Man was retelling that that yeah. origin and all those stories all over again, and giving it a modern feel. And and people reacted so. You know, terribly to it then, and yet now it's it's accepted. Top and, and yeah, it's, it's a top-selling yeah. book at Marvel. Well, you see, Ultimate Spider-Man did something clever that that when when Ralph Macchio asked me to do Chapter One, it never occurred to us. And what Ultimate Spider-Man did is create Marvel's Earth Two, mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's been accepted because the fans can look at it. The the hardcore Spider-Man fans can look at it and say well, this isn't the real Spider-Man that he's messing around with, so we can enjoy this for what they are. Whereas 
The weird thing was, Chapter 1 wasn't supposed to be the real Spider-Man either. It was supposed to be sort of like a uh, this sort of, I don't know how you'd phrase it, um, a, a jumping-on point that, that just sort of was a place where kids, new, new readers could be introduced to the character without having to go spend a thousand bucks for the back issues. And we never intended it to really replace anything until a few people complained about it who didn't understand what it was. And then, for some reason, Marvel got up on their hind legs and said, no, no, this is, this is the new Mar- this is Spider-Man, this is the real Spider-Man. And I said, well, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that, you know. I'll, I'll proceed on that basis. And Howard Mackey and I, when we were doing Spider-Man together, uh, even included some Chapter 1 references, you know. And I, I've, I've mentioned elsewhere that the, it was successful enough that they asked me for Chapter 2. And I said, well, you know, I don't really want to spend end my career as the guy who transcribed Stan Lee. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the book was a, was a commercial success. And the... Uh, the complaints about it, I think, have been have been really blown out of proportion because the the bulk of the mail certainly was was positive, and there were an awful lot of masochists buying that book if the people <laughs> if people hated it as much as they say. But I think the the, the main difference was ex- exactly just that: the, 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 to set the ultimate the ultimate book off to one side. That was the brilliant the brilliant moment for the ultimate line. It, it said, "It's okay to read this." And, and I think that they they almost tripped into it. I mean, they set it up well, but the ultimate line, it, it, I think it was at a right time when people were ready to come back to comics that had, mm-hmm. that had maybe left, and it was just kind of a right place, right time, and a new batch of, of creators that seemed to grasp that, is, is what I felt. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, this, this bunch of creators, this, this audience, and then for the sake of the, the, the long-time readers, the old-time readers, a way in, a doorway in, a portal, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, on the on the subject of like the the ultimate line or or whatever, what comics are out there right now that you're reading and you really enjoy? I don't read much anymore. It's a funny thing. Um, you look at this and you say, "Oh God, this this used to be so important in my life," and and, and how could I get through a day without without reading X number of comics? But when I got into the industry, and when especially when I started writing the stuff, and especially when Marvel and DC both had hundreds of titles coming out every month, and I got to a place where I found that I was only reading the books that directly affected whatever I was working on. So, for example, when I was writing The Avengers, I would be reading Thor and Captain America and, and all of The Avengers subset books. And uh, when I was doing action comics when it was a team-up book, I would be reading the books of characters who I expected to have coming into action. And then as, as I sort of shrunk away so that I'm, I'm less and less involved and I'm doing The Demon and I'm doing Doom Patrol and stuff like that, which doesn't tie in to the, to the rest of the universe, I find I read less and less and less. And the stuff I read now is, you know, the essentials volumes. So, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Nostalgia here, sitting here with my hot chocolate wrapped in my in my blankie. In front of a fire, enjoying an old comic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drinking fine wine with your essentials. Well, you know, in your career you've worked on, you know, so many characters and with so many writers and in so many books. Are there any characters or titles that you haven't worked on that you'd like to? Well, every once in a while, 
Doctor Strange kind of drifts across my, my consciousness. And it was a long time back there that I used to say I, I just I wasn't right for Doctor Strange, my, my style and my, my way of thinking. I mean, I'm the guy who's, who's really good at crashing two planets together, which isn't really what Doctor Strange is all about. And, uh, but recently, I mean, I've done a couple of commission pieces with Doctor Strange, and I had him appear in... There was an, an issue of Namor that I had him appear in that a bunch of stuff clicked in my head, and I went, you know... Maybe I could do Doctor Strange. That would be fun. But uh, you know, and I still, I still have a, a great fondness and a great love somewhere out there in the dim and distant future. I'd love to do something with Hawkman. Well, that would be that, that would be that would be. Uh, but he's uh, dead. <laughs> yeah. Not, spoiler. Hey, nobody dies forever. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. You can always bring him back. Well, here. Yeah. We, we actually have one of uh, one of our listeners has drifted into the store and wants to, to ask you about Hawkman here. This is, introduce huh? yourself. Mr. Byrne, um, this is Kyle Singh from the forum again. I was just curious, if you were to work on Hawkman, which Hawkman would you use? Would you use... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, you may. What a question. Um, well, I had been talking uh, to DC a few years ago about Hawkman, and we were, we were leaning very much toward the Golden Age version, actually set in the Golden Age. Um, we had, we were coming off, off a, a bunch of stuff like, like Indiana Jones and, and the, uh, you know, a few years later you had that sort of very retro look of the, of the Michael Keaton Batman movie and the animated stuff. And floating around in, in the middle of that, we started saying, well, what, what if we did it and, and set it in the 40s, but, but never actually said it's in the 40s. Just gave it all the cool 40s stuff, but just as they did in the 40s, throw in the occasional futuristic stuff like like computers and color TVs and things like that. So that's what we were we were kicking around. So I guess it would be, you know, the original guy Carter Hall as opposed to Qatar Hall. Well, they've got it all sorted out now. They're all the same. Yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> I know. All the same. It guy hurts now. my head. <laughs> Don't, the key to Kahawkman is don't spend more than 30 seconds thinking about... Who's who? <laughs> yeah, who's who. Just, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> don't think yeah. about it too hard. It will hurt your brain. Well, you know, since we had one of one of our listeners and one of your forum members drop in, I, I think that's a, a good time to ask uh, um, a question that we had here. You, you've embraced the Internet as a way of interacting with your fans. Do you think it's important for creators at every level of the industry to do this, or is it just something that you felt was a good fit for you? Well, I used to go to conventions in large part because it was really the the, the only way to directly interface with the fans. It was really an only uh, the only way to get a good sense of of what was what was going on, what they were thinking, whether they were ahead of us on the stories, whether they were totally confused, which is how we'd like them to be, so they won't know what it is we're doing, you know, and that kind of stuff. And over the years, I, my convention attendance had, had dropped and dropped and dropped until until I was only doing Mid-Ohio Con. I'd get like 25 calls a year, and I'd have to say, no, sorry, I only do Mid-Ohio Con. And when the Internet came along, it seemed like a way to, to replace that, to be able to, to say, okay, um, I used to occasionally try to sneak into into chat rooms and whatnot with a fake name and just sit there not saying anything, you know, just reading what they were saying about stuff without making any comments. And then finally, I, I got 
pulled into the whole having a message board and everything else. And this, but it, it does function very much the way, uh, very much the way the the, the um, conventions used to, where some people come and say, "Ha, I see in this issue you're you're going to do this," and he goes, "Oh, he, he figured it out." You know, we, so we have to we have to see if we can bend or twist or or, or warp it. But uh, usually they don't figure it out, but sometimes they do. Um, I was going to ask you, I, I don't know if you're aware, uh, an old friend of yours, Bob Layton, is working on a webcomic that he's... Uh... Yeah, I, I did hear that Bob was doing a webcomic. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that because I've never figured out how you can make money with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone's figured out how to make money with that. Yeah. Is that anything thought... you, you'd, you could see yourself being interested in doing? Oh, sure. I mean, I... I... I always like to, to mess around with the different formats and the different ways of of putting things together and the different ways of getting them out there. And if I thought there was a, an economically viable way of doing a a webcomic, I would love to do something like that. I mean, you know, something that would be serialized, perhaps, and you get an, an episode a day or, or, or whatever, you know, uh, page a day, who knows. Uh, I think that would be a hoot. Um, I... I had that book, uh, You Go Ghoul, that I chopped up into one, into, into episodes and, and put that onto my uh, website just to see how that would work. And I, it, it worked, at least for my experiment, it worked really well. And I thought, well, this might be a way to go. But the trick is to find out how to how to make a living at it. That's funny because we actually had a forum poster, Dave Levine. Uh, his question was, whatever happened to You Go Ghoul? Well, I, the, my, my big problem is I, I'm not somebody who pushes my own stuff very hard. I'm, 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 I subscribe to what I call the better mousetrap uh, theory. You, know, you build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. So I tend to uh, I tend to come up with stuff and then just sit back and say, well, leave that there, and if anything happens, it happens. So I haven't done much with you, Google, but uh, it came up again just recently in a context where uh, I might be talking to a publisher about it. My problem now being that I think the title is, is vastly outdated. That phrase has slipped from the lexicon. Uh, <laughs> so I'll have to find out something to call it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a fun project. and Basically, I had the one issue in my head, and I wanted to get that issue out of my head before it soured, so I did. It'd be like, you go gazizzle. Gazizzle? <laughs> That's how I Snoop roll. Dog, yeah. Cool. Something with bling. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait until the next podcast? Be sure to check out aroundcomics.com for breaking news, reviews, and opinions. Mr. Byrne, I had this is uh, this is Kyle from the uh, forum again. I just had uh, a comment and a question regarding the forum. I, I've really enjoyed being a member. I've only been a member for about a year, but I, I've noticed that both you and and the other members are really. This is really multifaceted people. You, we can discuss pretty much any topic, whether it's politics, philosophy, art, and so on. And you make yourself so available, uh, even to uh, the most important, you know, philosophical post or our little annoying fanboy questions. I just, I wondered, is is there ever a time where you get tired of us? I mean, I'm glad you don't. <laughs> we really appreciate it. But I just kind of wonder. It's like, geez, I'm 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 asking him my ninth well, question out of the well, Superman sure. run. I no, wonder if he minds. Basically, I'm a masochist. Um, <laughs> You're a comic book fan. Yeah, <laughs> comes naturally. Yeah, it's uh, well. It, I, I love to see it when the when the when the topics on the forum stray all over the place. There's there's one or two guys who have an unfortunate tendency of creating threads that that 
aren't connected to comics or connected to me or connected to pretty much anything anybody else is talking about and kind of have to say, okay, that, that's kind of pushing it a bit, but we'll, we'll let that slide. On now. an but internet message part, board? I don't believe that. Yeah. That never happens. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's fun. To, I love Threaddrift. I mean, I love to watch uh, something, you know, you start out talking about, about bunny rabbits and you end up talking about the Antichrist and go, wow, that was... <laughs> That was interesting, and that only took four pages. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think at all that uh, with the internet, w- there's such an instant feedback loop on everything w- with creators and books that come out? Like the day they come out, people have already formulated sort of rock solid opinions, you know, about one issue. Uh, is there well, like a huge? Is that good or bad, or is it just a difference from the way it there used is, to be? There, it is unfortunate. Um, Back in the old days when people used to write letters on, on pieces of paper and send them in and the editor would choose which one to, to print, uh, the fans who got their letters printed used to get a, a sort of a false sense of empowerment. They, they felt like they were suddenly part of the creative process and, and they didn't really pick up that if the editor printed their letter, it was usually because it served some purpose that the editor had, you know, like yeah. it said somewhere in it, uh, are you ever going to bring back phone bone man and the editor would go ha honey you should ask phone bone man is coming back next issue it it was a way of manipulating uh the letter column to really turn it into a into a page of of another page of ads but that false sense of empowerment has 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 kind of crossed over to the internet where there is no editor and there is no letter that, that never gets published because everything gets published and and i think that's I think that's been harmful. I think that uh, there's a strata, a level of fandom that, that believes itself to be too much involved in the creative process. And when you get to that point, it becomes harder to just simply sit back and enjoy the product because, you know, you're thinking about, well, I would have done that differently. And I would have yeah. done this and I would have done that. Why are they doing this? Instead of just saying, I'm on for the ride. Like, you know, when I was, a kid reading comics, the notion of thinking that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had gotten it wrong <laughs> would never have occurred to me. Well, yeah, it's it's the difference between... I, I see a lot on the Internet people that it's either... It's never just that you like something or don't like it. It's mm-hmm. like people will buy things they don't like and then complain about why it needs to be different, as if mm-hmm. they deserve that book to be made for them. You know, it's like, like a weird... Like Flash? Yeah. Well, hey, listen, <laughs> I deserve a good Flash book. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 that sort of change that you've seen over the years where... It's, it's a culture yeah, of criticism. It's, it's a little bit of what, in the real world, is, is, is known as taxpayer mentality. You know, uh-huh, that, that, yep. that idea that I pay taxes, and so you're a policeman, you work for me, you can't give me a ticket. And I said, well, yeah, you can <laughs> um, and, and 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 that kind of that kind of mentality has has infiltrated fandom quite a bit. Well, you know, I pay your salary, really? Well, I want to raise. <laughs> <laughs> Books now cost eight dollars. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's so. You know, we we talk about this a lot on on the show. The average comic book is is two ninety nine an issue mm-hmm. now, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine being a, a ten or twelve year old kid being a comic book fan now trying to buy comics on you know the allowance that mom and dad give me um yeah i wonder about that you know what what are your thoughts on on the price structure that comics have gone to well it's it's like what can we do is what it comes down to the the main force driving the price of comic books is the price of uh, the price of paper and the price of printing 
uh, we've always been slaves to that. And uh, you know, back in the in the forties and fifties, when they when they tried to keep the price down, when everything else, I mean, Time magazine used to be a dime. Uh, time went up. And look, and Saturday night or whatever, Saturday evening post, they went up, and and the comic publisher said, no, 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 we've got to keep that dime price tag. And they 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 cut the the page count. They did all this. And the package got as small as it could possibly get. Um, and we're we're still kind of stuck there. We're we're the slaves of the the distribution and the and the and the printing and the uh, the cost of the paper. Well, you you had uh, talked earlier that you know when when you were on X Men, it was selling over a hundred thousand copies an issue. The, that would yeah. be huge numbers. Now, I mean, what's the we, we've seen the cutoff mark for a lot of mainstream books is what twenty twenty thousand. Yeah. Now, and I think that's directly tied into the pricing structures. You're not selling, you know, millions and millions of books anymore. Well, a lot of it has to do with the direct sales market, of course. The direct sales market completely changed how comics sell. Uh, so it became possible to to make a viable product out of something that just a few years earlier would have died. That you know, books like Micronauts and things like that, which were which were the first to go direct only, uh, because hey, a book that goes to the direct sales market. Is, a, is an instant sale for the uh, mm-hmm. for the publishers, so they don't have to print as many, and therefore they don't have to sell as many. I mean, back when when we were doing uh, selling a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand on X Men, that meant we were printing about three hundred thousand. When Spider Man was selling four hundred thousand, that meant they were printing like eight hundred thousand because there was that much of a loss. But once you go to the direct sales market. You get an order for ten thousand, so you print maybe eleven thousand, mm-hmm. and it, it's pure profit. It, it's and and that has caused a kind of a a lowering of expectation, so that we will now look and say, "Wow, this this book sold thirty five thousand. It's a bestseller." And I go, "Holy cow, thirty five thousand! It's a different. What would you do? You look at." That maybe digital distribution in, and I'm not talking in the next year or five years, but maybe mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20, that, you know, we had already touched on web comics, but actually delivering comics as a digital format, as that maybe being a way to, to tap into wider audiences again? I wonder. Again, I, it always comes down to, well, what I, what I always think about when people talk about digital comics and web comics and, and all of that. I think about your, your standard gag about about porno sites where one guy buys the password to a porno site and he gives it to 50 of his pals, you know, mm-hmm. so they can all sit and look at the naked ladies. And I think, well, a comic book site is going to have to be structured pretty much the same, isn't it? We're going to have to have a password and, and, a, and a way to make sure that that you, you, you're buying what you're buying and you're paying for what you're buying, but how do we stop 25 other people getting in on the same thing? Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a difficult proposition. It's, it's such a it's such an alien uh, environment for for these these things that have been folded paper for the last hundred years uh, to find themselves out there. We're still kind of floundering around trying to figure out how to do it and how not to go broke doing it. Sure, and I, I think one of the the cornerstone personality traits of comic book collectors is that they're 
collectors and that you know to tangibly have it and own it is something yeah. that just is part of us it's it's yeah a, that that, you know, that that having something in your hand is very important you know i think like you guys you have a comic shop there i, I can't see you turning into a row of printers you know <laughs> and people come in and put down their money and you go here's the latest issue it's uh it doesn't quite work somehow. Well, the, the manager yeah. here just said, oh, if only. If only. <laughs> well, uh, sort of a question that deals with that. Uh, this is from Mike Norton in Chicago. He's the artist. He just did a couple issues. He's doing a couple Runaways. issues of Runaways. He's the co-creator of Gravity. Um, he wants to know, do you know how much you rule? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't use a ruler usually. I... Uh... <laughs> My, Mike will kill us for saying that, but uh, he deserves it. I'm going to say that's a yes or no. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that leads into a question. Well, I know I know I destroyed the universe like a god. Does that count? <laughs> and then yes. reassembled it. And then re- yeah, put it together. Do you feel any pressure? Uh, and we kind of touched on that a little bit before, but you know, being John Byrne, do you feel the pressure when you're you know you, when you do a book like Blood of the Demon or or the all-new Adam, do you feel a certain amount of pressure, uh, you know, inherently from being who you are uh, working on a book like that? Well, I don't, I don't think I, I've been John Byrne in quite a while. Uh, it, it seems like I'm sort of sitting off in a corner being John Byrne all lowercase, uh, which, <laughs> which is okay by me, you know, I mean... We'll, I give, we'll once, give you initial uh, caps. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah, you you can have your initial caps back. Yeah. We'll refer <laughs> okay. to you as capital J, capital B. All right, well that's, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, uh, the pressure is, of course, that there's there's um, there's one or two people out there who don't like my work, by golly, um, and and they seem to have very loud voices and very long reaches. Uh, so whenever I take on a new project, I mean, you, you look at something like. Well, Blood of the Demon, say, uh, which was a huge critical success. Uh, and you say, well, if I'd done that book 20 years ago, it would have been selling 600,000 every month. And instead it sold 16, one six. You know? mm-hmm. So that's, that indicates that something's wrong. It indicates that, number one, you know, I'm, I'm not the stunt anymore. Putting me on the book isn't going to guarantee the sale. Too bad. I'm still having fun just making the pictures, so that's okay by me. But uh, it's kind of a shame that this, uh, you know, I've become the great Satan for some reason. And, uh, <laughs> I've only killed a few babies, so I really don't know why. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair... You, you didn't know, want to. You had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Don't you understand? I had to. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess that brings us to some of the controversies surrounding your name. You have a very polarizing name, and you're a very yeah, polar, yeah. polarizing... I mean, people either love you or they think you're Satan. And, e- and Everyone has an opinion about John Everyone has an Byrne. opinion about John Byrne, absolutely. Yep. And, and a lot of that has come from comments that you've made on the Internet or at conventions or whatever. And I, I don't want to get into the... Specific specifics comments. Specifics or, 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 or judging that in any way. I, I guess... For me, as a as a huge fan of yours, I just sit back and wonder sometimes why, or or why now, or why some you know. So, I mean, not like I said, not not to judge anything that you say. A lot of times, I agree with what you say, mm-hmm. but 
you you wouldn't you, be, you, you wouldn't know be, that you're stirring up the horn. Yeah, I mean that's what I kind of look at and go, <laughs> you know, is it just he likes to mess with people? Is it? I mean, reading through some of your forum posts, you know, some of your uh, forums. I mean, it's it's like you're just you're just fucking with people. Sometimes <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> It's not so much that. It's just that uh, really I, I, I've never been one to sort of keep my opinion to myself. That's my curse. And uh, put me on the Internet, and oh, dear God, suddenly I have this this means of, of sending out my opinion to everybody and everybody. And most of the time people agree with me. They don't always agree with me. And when they don't agree with me, they tend to disagree quite loudly. <laughs> And, uh, of course, there's that other chunk of time where they're disagreeing quite loudly with something I didn't actually say, uh, which, is, which is one of the weirdest things I've found about the Internet, this, uh, you know, the so-called uh, information highway. And it seems like an awful lot of people have flat tires on the information yeah. highway because they, they don't seem to be able to find, you know, Burn, you said this. And I said, well, no, actually, I said nothing like that. And if you went and looked, you'd... You'd actually see what I actually said, well, but uh, that wouldn't be any fun, of course. It's not. There's no. There's no controversy in 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 the truth. Well, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, do you think? Uh, I think part of it, which is kind of interesting, is uh, the internet isn't actually the best way to communicate with another person. It you certainly know. turns out that way. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? So I think a lot of times things get lost in mm-hmm. typing it that come out a certain Oh, you, you just yeah. have to use the, the winky emoticon. Oh, yeah, if, as long as you have a <laughs> well, wink. Well, and, yeah. you know. that, that may be the case, but but certainly, I mean, you're not a... I mean, you're a smart man, and you obviously know sometimes when you say something, it's going to have a reaction. Being as high profile of, of a person that you are in this industry, it's going to have a reaction. Sure. Isn't it easier sometimes just not to say it, or, or, and not to say that you, oh, God, I mean, I, 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 I wish I could not say it. The funny thing is, <laughs> is so often, uh, you don't know what you're going to get a reaction from. Uh, there's, there's one particular instance that I always cite from very early on when I was, when I was just coming online and I was just learning how, how the dynamics worked. And I was in a chat room on AOL and some guy made some, really stupid comment about something that was going on in, in the comic book industry that, that he really knew nothing about, and he was just shooting off an opinion he, how he thought it worked. And I, and I said, well, hold on there, Sparky, and I told him what it was really all about. Well, he went totally ballistic because I called him Sparky. <laughs> you know, how dare you call me Sparky? Who the hell do you think you are calling me Sparky? And this went on and on, and I was seeing it in other forums and on other... This guy going, oh, no, no, John Byrne called me Sparky. Who the fuck does he think he is? And I was kind of like, uh, what? <laughs> none, you know, of, so, none of the rest translated. So the, the, the people who, who you know, the, their job is to be is to be offended. Uh, uh, I was talking to Terry Austin today, and I, I mentioned this, and, and he said he just finished reading an article about this same thing on uh, on television, where the networks get... get tons and tons and tons and tons of mail from people who are offended. And usually they're not the people who should be offended. They're, they're people who are being offended on behalf of other people. You know, well, if, if I was a green-eyed Irishman and you said that, I'd be offended. Uh, well, 
but you're not a green eyed Irishman, so why are you offended? Because they uh, feel they should be offended. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you know, like you said, on behalf of somebody. Yeah, it's true. And 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 most of the time, most of the time, I try not to respond to to the stuff that I think is really off the wall. But every once in a while, it's just the I don't know the the there's a monster inside me that wants to go out and smite down the infidels. Uh, yeah. You know, there's also and it does by golly, and I sometimes sometimes the innocents have to die too. You know. <laughs> well, I think there's also uh, the internet also breeds a very no one's ever willing to let anything go. Yeah, You know, like, oh, exactly. people people will write, I mean, no matter how smart you are, you'll write something perhaps stupid. I've written very stupid things. Then someone quotes it, and you're like, well, crap. That's like, you know, like, now it's now going to live forever. You know, there's, like, an unwillingness to let go of anything or to let yeah. anything pass. Like, everything well, part, has to be dissected. Part of the problem, too, is that so often the quotes aren't quotes. Um... I, 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 I used to know a guy, and I used to say about this guy that if you said green to him, a week or so later, he'd be telling people that you said blue and yellow. And that's, that's the way the Internet works, that, that if, if, if I say green, I'll hear that I said blue and yellow. And it's like, well, yes, blue and yellow do make green, but I didn't actually say blue and yellow. I said green, which is different in context and different in form and that kind of thing. Sure, it's it's like the old game that they used to have you play in, in school where they, you know, you whisper in the person's ear yeah. and, and by the oh, time oh. it gets to the other the other end of the yeah. room it's a totally different, you know, John story. John Byrne thinks green's made out of red and yellow. Is that it's, it's a game of telephone where everything is written down. So, if you want to, you can track it. The fact that nothing ever goes away, you can track a quote back to its its original uh, source and you can find out what was actually said, but I guess that's just no fun. It's more fun to, to be offended. All right, we're going to uh, stop the first half of the John Byrne interview here. Uh, in a couple days, you'll be able to download the second half. Second that's for ten dollars. <laughs> Not kidding. We hijacked John for so long. He it was great. He didn't want to stop. We didn't want to either. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. The so actual interview went for 10 hours. And we yeah, edited we edited it down to down. the tightest two hours you've ever heard. <laughs> so that, that's a big tease to get you all to come back uh, later on this week for the, the second half. And we have a voicemail from Chris Chavez, who is Equinox on the forum. So let's take a listen to that. Hey, guys, this is Chris Chavez, Equinox on the forums. Uh, you guys were complaining the last show, and then we left any voicemail messages. And I figured since John Byrne was going to be in the studio uh, tomorrow evening, I figured it was probably a good time to uh, leave a message for everybody. Uh, Byrne's been one of my favorite artists ever since back in the day. I got started off with him in, uh, in Claremont on uh, Marvel Team Up, moving on to Uncanny X-Men and Fantastic Four, Alpha Flight, Hulk, blah, 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 yada, yada. Anyway, I could probably you know kiss his ass uh, you know to to beat the band, uh, but just wanted to uh, show my appreciation for his work. And unless you know Caters is hiding under a table like a pussy, I figured you know I'd also drop at least one f bomb you know because Burns art is just fucking awesome. Uh, you know, so at least we could get the uh, uh, explicit tag on on this podcast. Anyway, keep up the uh, great work, you guys. Uh, John, look forward to seeing all your uh, work. Love the work that you're doing on the uh, all-new Adam, and 
Keep flying high. Thanks a bunch. John Byrne already dropped the F-bomb, so we didn't <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, so yeah. We didn't you don't to need to worry about, about me. John Byrne's wanting to worry about <laughs> swearing on the podcast, so um, I think we're all right with that. A big uh, you know, shout-out to uh, to Chris for sending that in, and uh, uh, we had great involvement on the forum this week getting questions, and a lot of the questions that we asked had been kind of rephrased by forum members, but I did want to mention everyone real quick. Uh, Dancy, paper cut, thank you. Uh, Equinox, John Sokol. Wet Rats, David Price, Matt S., Mike Norton, John Hook, Dave Levine, uh, Scott uh, Cedarland, Weak Rocker, Vince B., uh, and and more. Uh, all you guys had great questions. Yeah, Thank I mean, you so much. I mean, when we're all st- sitting around, like, dumbstruck, like, everyone, like, mouthing to each other, John Burns on the phone. <laughs> and, like, we're all like, what questions do we ask? We can always pull out Mike Norton's do you know how much you rule question. <laughs> so Thanks. Everyone. All right. So, um, guys, I, I think we might have uh, a recap after the second part of the interview, but uh, I yeah. think the second half is even better than the first half. Do you know why Kitty Pride's named <laughs> Kitty Pride? I do now. You, well, and so will the audience once they listen to the second <laughs> half of the episode. Yes, they will. So tune in. It was great. Yeah, great. we had, we could we have had talked a lot of forever. Fun. Yeah, very very gracious guy. Really enjoyed that. So, uh, so definitely check back for part two. Uh, but it is now time to move over to the news desk. It is time for wire to wire comic book news. These are your top headlines for the week of September fourth, two thousand and six. Top-selling fantasy author R.A. Salvatore, writer of the Dark Elf Trilogy and the Icewind Dell Trilogy, and Devil's Due Publishing have joined forces to launch the groundbreaking adaptation of the wildly popular Demon Wars novel series. Though a release date for the project has not been set, Devil's Due has agreed to adapt all seven Demon Wars novels. Readers can look for information in the next few months and the new series in early 2007. Checker Book Publishing Group has announced a licensing agreement under which Checker will reprint the original The Trouble with Girls comics in a series of trade paperbacks beginning in November of 2006. The Trouble with Girls debuted in 1987 during the black and white comics heyday. Created by former National Lampoon contributors Will Jacobs and Eisner Award winning author Gerard Jones, this series spoofed anyone and everyone as it quickly became one of the best selling indie titles of all time. Drawn by Tim Hamilton, this spy parody was a fan favorite and set the standard for independent comics humor. The first edition, The Trouble with Girls, ships in November and will collect the first seven issues of the Malibu series. The second volume will also collect seven issues, numbers 8 through 14, of the Malibu series and ships in January of 2007. It was revealed this week at Comic Book Expo that part of Marvel's plans for post-Civil War will include Omega Flight, an ongoing series by the creative team of Michael Avon Oming and Scott Collins. Michael Oming said, I couldn't see taking Alpha Flight outside of Canada, you know. Maybe international, that might be interesting, but it's set in Canada and within Canadian culture because those are the roots of the team. Even with a mixture of Americans, they are still serving under the Canadian flag. 
primarily for the Canadian people, but clearly, as we have learned from real-life terrorism, border concerns quickly overlap. I think we'll be seeing a team in flight that works well hand-in-hand, yet completely autonomous with America and the rest of the world. Look for Omega Flight later this year. Jeff Johns and artist J.G. Jones will team for All-Star Batgirl, coming in 2007, featuring a new adventure of the original Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, in a set outside of the continuity of the classic DC Universe. Johns plans to explore Barbara Gordon's motivations and connection to the Batman, her reasons why she puts on the uniform, why she's decided to enter the world of crime fighting. Set as a mystery revolving around Barbara Gordon and Arkham Asylum, why she's become Batgirl, and more importantly, why she remains Batgirl. Asked why he thinks people should check this book out, John said, Jones illustrating, Batgirl should be enough, but I'll throw this at you. Batgirl versus the Joker turns out very differently in our world. Look for All-Star Batgirl in 2007. Over on his forum, Brian K. Vaughn posted this statement that he and artist Adrian Alfana will be leaving the book Runaways after issue number 24. After working together on the series for more than four years, Adrian Alfana and I will be leaving Runaways with issue number 24. And no, this is absolutely not because of creative differences. I love editor Nick Lowe, like a kid brother, and Joe Quesada and everyone at Marvel have obviously been nothing short of insanely supportive for our little book since the first page of the first issue. This was entirely my idea. While Why the Last Man and Ex Machina have planned endings, I've always said that I hoped Runaways would last forever long after I left the series. I can say with a great deal of confidence that these next five issues are the pinnacle of the series, and Adrian and I decided that the best thing for Runaways would be to hand them off to new creators on this high note, rather than risk overstaying our welcome until we ran ourselves and the book into the ground. We were informed that artist-writer-diva Leah Hernandez suffered a tragic fire at her home, leaving her and her children with nowhere to live and nothing to wear. Her good friend, Gail Simone, has asked for our help in the following release. Most know Leah as the brilliant creator of such works as Rumble Girls and Cathedral Child. She drew the Marvel Mangaverse Punisher book and has drawn for Transmetropolitan, among many other accomplishments. She is also the co-founder and original editor for girl o one of the most important venues for female-friendly comics created to date. I'm asking you all to take a moment and hit the PayPal link. You'll be doing something heroic and you'll feel great about it, I promise. Donate, please, to her PayPal account at divalea at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-A-L-E-A at gmail.com. Finally, if I understand the story correctly, as told to me by Leah's good friend and current girl editor, it was Leah's daughter hearing the smoke alarm that allowed the family to get out in time. So for God's sake, do everyone you love a favor and check your smoke alarms. Thank you so much for helping. Really, any amount that you can send will make a difference. That's all I can say. Sincerely and gratefully, Gail Simone. Comic book fans and creators join forces to do good at the first annual Heroes Helping Legends, a weekend celebrating comic books while helping artists and writers in need. 
on Saturday, September 16th and Sunday, September 17th at the Mercury Cafe located at 1505 West Chicago Avenue in Chicago. Fans will be able to hunt for literary treasure through a massive comic book sale, chat with local writers, get a unique sketch by local artists, and bid on a range of one-of-a-kind art and collectibles, all while enjoying music of local bands. All proceeds benefit the Hero Initiative, formerly Actor Comic Fund, a national nonprofit that provides financial assistance and critical network of support to comic book industry veterans that have met with hard times. For more on the Hero Initiative, go to www.heroinitiative.org. have been your top headlines. For the full version of these and other stories, go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics news, reviews, and opinions. Those are your top headlines for the week. By the way, we have uh, Dave Wachter, the artist of Scar Tissue and various other titles, is going to sit and in. And pound for pound, the best commission artist uh, yeah. at any pound con, it. anywhere. But he only tab. weighs 30 pounds. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's a great value. He's <laughs> yeah, a great pounds. value. I'm light as a feather. <laughs> Although I think his rates are going up, so that title will no yeah. longer. That'll oh, be Mike come Norton. On, oh, sorry, man. And we also have uh, Dustin Drace, D. Drace from the forum. So Dustin had a great question earlier, which actually may be in part two. It is in part two. Yeah, so. I, had to, I had to be the, man, I, I really had to be the X-Men nerd there. I, it, there was a couple great posts in the forum. Was it Equinox, I think, posted I think about, Equinox, about, yeah. about Wolverine? And I was like, you know what, that's, that's a really good question, man. <laughs> and uh, he pretty much answered everything that I thought was a, a pertinent question, so I was like, ah, oh, man, I gotta go there. Well, so. the thing was, I was most shocked that John Byrne was able to make you cry so easily. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> so tune into the second half of the interview. I did weep. Alright, guys. Um, R.A. Salvatore, the uh, uh, author of the Dark Elf trilogy, is uh, coming to Devil's uh, Dune. R.A. Salvatore. 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 Yeah, there's no E on the... I mean, there's an there's E. There's an E there. But you don't pronounce E. Oh. It's like store, not story. Oh. Mr. Mister uh, Mister <laughs> Mr. Right. Mr. Salvador. De- Demon Wars is coming to uh, Devil's Due Publishing. So they're uh, spreading their wings uh, even more into the fantasy realm. So if you're looking for a good gateway comic from the fantasy world, that, uh, that may be... The ticket right there, so good I, for Devil's Due. You know, it's two. funny. I'm a huge R.A. Salvatore fan. Mm-hmm. I've read the Icewind Dale trilogy, the Dark Elf trilogy. Too nerd. I know. I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> I mean, his stuff is awesome, but I haven't picked up any like, of, of the comic, know, adaptations. comic stuff that, that's been done in that, you know, Dungeons & Dragons or, or, or Forgotten Realms area, but this one I think I'm going to check out. Okay. I'll let you know how it is. Yeah, sci-fi, I think, uh, Chris, you were the one that posted on the, the, the geek dreams on the forums about the... Uh, the um, Gen Con? The Gen Con? Dragon Con. Oh, Dragon Con. Oh, okay. oh. 
Holy crap. I spent about an hour and a half at work just going through the, the flicker. The <laughs> flicker pages of if all you, of if the, you uh, been costumes. To flicker and, and put in Dragon Con as oh, a man. term. You, you really need to do it's that. It's called Tang Con. <laughs> I, I was amazed. Like, I'm like, Chris, we got to go to Dragon Con, dude. It's, I'm like, what? It's in Atlanta. 25 Princess Leia's yeah, all in I one mean, photo. That is probably and we're not talking, you know, white robe, bun no, hair. No, no, this is yeah. uh, Slave Girl. Slave Girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. now we're now we're turning into right. stereotype uh, geeks. All right, Dad. Hey, Princess Leia's are hot. Stop it. All right, check check check. Book Publishing Group has announced licensing agreement to uh, reprint The Ooh, Trouble I'm with Girls. I love that. You misspelled Trouble with Girls on the website. I, <laughs> I went back and fixed it, though. I did go back I and fix it. I caught it, though. Yeah. I didn't want to say it. I know. Well, show, I wish so. you would have told me. Oh. But Trouble uh, with Girls from 1987. It's it a very adult work. Trouble mm-hmm. with girls. It's it's kind of funny pulp. Um, Don't buy it for your kids. For yeah, it's not. It's but but it's it's good stuff. I liked it. You can pick it up in. You can try and find it here and there, and they had different reprints of it and stuff. But it's cool that it's coming out in one big. Uh, the first trade. one uh, comes out actually two trades. Uh, two first trades. one in uh, November will be the first seven issues, and then in January of 2007, issues eight through 14. Fantastic. Uh, next times. story, <laughs> uh, Omega Flight, dun, and dun, dun, uh, dun, this dun, is, dun. if you go back and listen to the Michael Avon Omin interview that we did, what, a couple months that's ago? That's what he wouldn't tell us about. That's what he wouldn't tell us about. Bastard. So, Michael Avon Omin. Is he Omin, writing it or drawing it? Uh, He's writing it. He's writing, writing it, right? Scott Collins. Scott Collins is drawing it. Gee, like, gee, gee, Tom, why do you like Scott Collins? he was amazing on The Flash. Well, there you go. He was Amazing. This is a character. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, so now he will be amazing on uh, on Omega Whoa. Flight. Um, <laughs> I don't know. After talking to John Byrne about Alpha Flight, and right. I'm not sure how I feel about you know bringing back. I'm looking I'm, forward I'm, to I'm, this. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm starting to become like a purist about this kind of nice. stuff. You know? yeah. Omega Flight snob. will be fine. It has Beta Ray Bill. Better Ray Bill. Right, you got Come me. On. You got me there. <laughs> Vindicator. <laughs> it's true. It looks I, like Captain America. I forgot. Snowbird. Could be USA. Could be USA agent. agent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it Maybe. probably is. Yeah. Uh, yeah it looks He's like not the, Captain Canada. I mean, <laughs> just it, not Captain America. It did America. look kind of weird to have Vindicator and Cap on the same team, yeah. which would be interesting. Love so, it or leave it. Um, you know, I. <laughs> So I really on. like Omin's work, so I'm looking forward to Omega Flight. I will definitely check it out. Um, speaking of The Flash, Jeff Johns and artist J.G. Jones are going to be doing All-Star Batgirl in 2007. Might be cool. Yeah. He, he kind of separated himself from All-Star Batman a little bit, but not overtly. It could be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the All-Star is an interesting chance to see people kind of... Well, interesting. I mean, it's yeah. weird that they'd pick... Batgirl to do that, but it's with. a chance to see Barbara Gr- Barbara where's, Gordon where's as Star Wonder Woman. I mean, Adam got, Hughes is well, he has it. to finish all yeah, of them before they put yeah, it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they don't have right. his, yeah, he's got to do but that. But then Batgirl, why isn't there like All Star, you know, Green Lantern? There's that would a be cool. uh, there's supposedly a pitch for All Star Flash. Yeah, you would think too. that the All Star Flash would. But be I think they're cool. work. They kind of want to pick. I think the Bat Family sells. 
Yeah. Yeah. True enough. In you fact, know, and and be cool. hey, Barbara Gordon is an iconic character. I think that really? I a lot. You think she's yeah. iconic? I well, think yeah. it'll. Sell. I think so. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's... I was talking to a few of the artists that uh, I'm going to make the Wizard World comment, but they were saying how a lot of people were asking for. Uh, Barbara Gordon or Batgirl sketches this year at the convention. So. Well, I know Dave was doing like original Batgirl sketches, oh, like yeah. Bat Batwoman. Batwoman sketches. Oh. Yeah, the game. Yeah, different wow. character. But uh, I did actually just do a uh, a Barbara Gordon Batgirl sketch for uh, Shane Kelly over at uh, Comic Geek Speed. Oh, there you go. Well, I mean, so, there you go. And who yeah. knows? Maybe the pitch was like amazing, and they're like, yeah. Well, it sounds pretty cool. I like the idea of it. So, yeah, we'll check it out. I mean, I've loved the All-Star stuff, so I'll definitely... Well, Amy Whiff from uh, the Birds of Geek podcast and, you know, Little Witch Mm -hmm. on the the forums, she's a huge part of She's not going to be a lesbian, is she? I don't think no, Amy no. or or Batgirl. Well, I don't know about Amy. Because <laughs> of Batgirl. Sorry, Amy. Um, but Are you uh, going to be a lesbian? <laughs> I like the Record skip. Um, she's a huge Barbara Gordon fan. I think that's actually Amy's uh, comic book quest is to collect every comic book that has Barbara Gordon in it. That's that's her, and she's wow. got the Good first luck. one. I think she's got the first Have fun one. Fun with that. Uh, but what I, what I did love about the uh, the story next one. was that John said uh, illustrating not, Batgirl should be. Uh, um, should be enough, or no? He's talking about J.G. Jones being uh, the illustrator should be enough to buy it. But he says, "I'll throw you this: Batgirl versus Joker turns out very differently in our world." That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joker in a wheelchair. <laughs> that actually would be really funny to yeah. see, and yeah. I wouldn't put it past Johns to do to twist it around. Like yeah. that. Um, th- this is um, uh, kind of a bummer for uh, for fans of this series, but Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, I'm announced- not buying it anymore. Fuck him. Well, you know what? Mike Norton was the perfect, yeah, perfect yeah, person so to put. On uh, this. Brian K. Vaughn is is leaving, and and uh, Adrian uh, Alfon are leaving Runaways, and you know, one of our friends of the show, and 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 just you know all around good guys, Mike Norton and has, talented artist and in- incredibly talented artist picked up the. Uh, penciling duties on Runaways for, what, three issues? Yep. Yeah. And would have been a great... Sean McKeever, McKeever taking over. McKeever and him, yeah, the, the, the gravity team going and taking over that book would have been a perfect fit, but Mike said that it's not in the cards, that he's not on it, which I, I just don't know. Who are they going to... You know, it's, they're going to put some big name on it because they want to try and keep that book alive. Oh, if they don't, it'll die. Yeah, it will. It'll, it'll be done but in a year. Mike would Mike Here's did a great what, job in that book and he would have... Here's what Mike to. should do. He, they should have a... Uh, a blue and gold miniseries with Booster Gold and uh, Blue Beetle <laughs> set back like in the 80s and have Mike do it. Oh, Mike would love that. That oh, would be yeah. fantastic. He probably draws that at home on his own time. A real, finally bring the blue and gold miniseries to fruition <laughs> that's been talked about for so well, many years. Well, you know, if he's out of work, I got 40 or 50 scripts of the Badger that he could work on. <laughs> I've written many Badger issues. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that is a bummer about uh, Runaways. There are things in life that kind of bring us back to what is really important, and this story was really a bummer in, in the real sense of it. Uh, Leah Hernandez and her family suffered a tragic fire at their home, and Gail Simone has put out a a call to arms, a plea for help. Jesus. For what is going on over there? It's like a riot. Shh. Hey nerds, keep it down over talking there. About, <laughs> a very touching story that we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about touching 
Back to it. All right, back on track. Gail Simone has uh, sent out uh, a message, and it's been put on just about every comic book forum that I've seen out there, that she is asking for people to help uh, Leah Hernandez and her family by donating to their PayPal account at divaleah at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-A-L-E-A at gmail.com. If you have a few spare dollars, uh, please send that to them. They they need help. And she is a creator and I know, that, uh, uh, that needs needs help from the community. Uh, friends of ours uh, from the Bendis Board, uh, Jeffrey and Antonia, are putting together a eBay uh, auction also to help Leah out. Um, I, I, don't, I haven't gotten the details on that yet, but uh, you know, if you want to donate something to be auctioned off or you want to bid on stuff for the auction, um, go to the Bendis Board at jinxworld.com. And there's a uh, sticky thread on that, um, all about uh, the auction to help Leah out. So, yeah, Leah's a terrific creator, and and it's really a tragedy that, you know, she her whole studio and all Every, her everything. Artwork, yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. She, everything. You know, she doesn't. Have, she doesn't. Her kids don't have any clothes to wear. They have nowhere to live, and and right now, and 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 while, I believe you know she has insurance and she'll be okay mm-hmm. until that. It's the immediate in, need. It's the immediate yeah. need. Yeah. That, so that that's uh, if you're looking at buying that Around Comics T-shirt, you can put that off for a month and help them out instead. Uh, next, on to something um, which is is equally important. It, it's not a bummer. This is actually a good story, and uh, we have someone that's actually going to be a part of it sitting right here. Is uh, something that's going on in Chicago, and that is the Heroes Helping Legends. Uh, Dave, can you tell us a little bit about uh, this? And it's coming up. It'll be 16th um, and 17th of September. Th- this comes out on on Monday, so it'll yeah, be the it'll following be, Saturday. Yeah, it'll be uh, the weekend after this uh, broadcast. Uh, basically, uh, it's a mini convention, uh, comic book convention. People have been donating back issues, and artists have been donating uh, original art and all that kind of stuff. And they're going to have live bands and DJs, and it's all going down at the Mercury Cafe, and that's at 1505 West Chicago Avenue. Uh, it's both Saturday and Sunday, and from the looks of it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to be there. I'll be there. Hey. That you have to come now. <laughs> come hug uh, Tom and shove Chris. Uh, <laughs> Cost a dollar to You're do still bitter yeah, about Supermarket 4, aren't you? Yeah, still bitter. Let's not go into the <laughs> Right puns. now, I'm going to be there all day Saturday doing sketches. I'm going to have some, I'm going to get some stuff up this week, uh, you know, do some sketches so that I can have some ready there, and then I'll be taking commissions while I'm there to do sketches. There's actually a Craigslist ad out there that uh, is... For Dave's sketches? No, it's for the... It's for the, I'm calling it a mini-con is what it is yeah. almost. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, I think it's titled Don't Know What to Do With Those Old Comic Books and it's asking people to donate their old comic yes. book collections. I got a box in my car. You can donate your old back issues if you've got... To, for resale at, uh, at Heroes. doing like... You know, they're doing great deals on them and stuff like that. And they've got special little prize packages and the, mm-hmm. all this. They're doing all this kind of crazy cool stuff. Go out and splurge. Cool. And it's all for uh, for, it's all hero, for actor, initi- well, well, act- hero Initiative, which yeah. used to be Actor, actor coming right. to our roots. Mm-hmm. Going to, uh, Is Actor no more? Well, no, it's, they, they changed they the name. It. Oh, they, okay. they, they, well, they the Hero Initiative. Hero Initiative yeah. is their new name. And I actually created a banner for them. Wow. But... Um, it, yeah, it used to be actor. They've changed the name, and they've also uh, re-designated uh, a, pan- or a, a board of 
directors for it, mm-hmm. including Guillermo del Toro, who directed oh, wow. uh, Blade One and mm-hmm. Two and Hellboy, and he's on the. Uh, but so I think they're they're I think they're just trying to move it forward a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Actor was a bit of a clumsy name, and and yeah. so they wanted something yeah. a little more. It's a little confusing. Maybe. Yeah. Actor, yeah, yeah, actors, right, yeah. right. Well, so I, I, for people yeah. who don't know, actor or actor one, and now the Heener Initiative is for um, old-time comic book professionals who are are now older and and have trouble making maybe making their medical bills mm-hmm. or, or, or and things like that because yeah. it's such really an industry that. It's a nice 401k. Plan. It's a lot of freelance. It's a lot of freelancers. Yeah, you know, that's so what it is. and they didn't make a lot of money. Nice, yeah, uh-huh. especially the old guys didn't get a whole lot back then, and they didn't get any kind of royalty deals. That's what John Byrne said has been the biggest change so in comics in the last 30 years. This is a fund that all that you know just mm-hmm. get some money together to help those guys out when they need it. All right, um, guys, that is our news for the week. That's so, it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Man, I, I didn't skip a. I didn't skip a page, did really? I? I no. No, I think we got it all. Awesome. Look at how organized we are. All right. Yeah. Gotta skip a page. Gosh, everybody that is listening to this for the first time because of the John Byrne is like, what a bunch of unprofessionals. Here comes the oil <laughs> wrestling, hot oil <laughs> wrestling, video podcast portion. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that means it is time to leave the news desk and uh, bye bye news desk <laughs> bye bye news desk bye bye see that you later it is time for top of the stack I hate the news desk top top of top. the stack the stack the stack that's right it's top of the stack our chance to let you the listener know what we have been reading for the last week and top of the stack is sponsored by top of the stack is brought to you by King Tractor Press don't miss two fantastic new titles from King Tractor Press Family Bones and Devil Water, both available in September in the September issue of Previews. Family Bones is based on the true story of the oldest married couple on Missouri's death row. Written by Sean Granger with art by Orlando Baez and Kenneth Landgraf. Now I flip the page. <laughs> Devil Water number one is the horrific and comedic story of Henry Hill's encounters with outlaws, demons, angels, and religious, religious fanatics in the Old West. Written by Stephen Barr with art by Tile... Tileman Cheney, mm-hmm. with a cover by Harry Rowland. Ask your local retailer for Devil Water Number One and Family Bones Number One today. For more information about these exciting new books, visit www.kingtractorfilms.com. And thank you to King Tractor. Absolutely, we appreciate. It. And we will definitely be checking out uh, copies of Devil Water, De- Devil Water, mm-hmm. and uh, Family Bones coming out. So we'll let you know about those. But uh, if that sounds interesting. Definitely check them out in previews. Uh, top of the stack. Who would like to go first stop, this week? Stop. Um, I'll go. Okay. I go guess. for it, Sal. All right. You go first. I'll go first. My top of the stack this week is Mystery in Space with yeah, Captain gonna, Comet. That was going to be mine. I know. I stole, stole it. From it. Uh, Mystery in Space is uh, written by Jim Starlin uh, with art by Shane Davis and Matt Banning and Al Milgram. Um, Mystery in Space is uh, part one of eight issue miniseries. It's bringing back Captain Comet. Um, I don't know, you know, who may or may not be familiar with the Mystery in Space characters or universe or stories from before, but there was a pretty long um, back in what years? That was old. I mean, that, that was, was like old 70s. 60s, 70s. 60s. Uh, yeah, I want to say 60s. Um, and Starlin uh, has brought this character back and really made him sort of relevant without. Um, feeling uncomfortable or, or it doesn't feel like you're reading a recap of a character 
but it isn't like reading a uh, flashback. Right. You're reading right. like a very well scripted sort of description of a character that maybe hasn't been relevant. It, it's telling a, a story time. as they're reintroducing this character. It's yeah. not just like here's this new character or here, here we're bringing back the character. They're telling you a good story the whole whole way along in it. Um, anybody that's a fan of Jim Starlin knows that when he does space stuff. It doesn't get much better. He does amazing space stories. I'm not even really that big of a fan, and I think you said yeah. the same thing, Tom. I don't You're like not, space stories. I, I'm not that huge a fan of it, but this one was just an excellent story. The art is unbelievable. I just love uh, Shane Davis's art on this stuff. It's just exciting and beautiful looking. So and it even a has a... Is uh, story, or is it yeah. more of a superhero kind of? A little it's of both. A little of both. But I'd lean more towards sci-fi with just like okay. a hint... It's, it's a sci-fi superhero. Like he's right. a space superhero, right. so it's very sci-fi. But it is kind of he's a pulp. I didn't you know. pick it up because I'm like, well, I like, I like, you know. And it's got talking. Sci-fi. It's, like, I like just sci-fi. got talking dog. I wouldn't say it's like hardcore <laughs> sci-fi. It's it's got a little more. Yeah. But it's got the like backup sort of that, story. I think the, you'd the, enjoy the that pulp, a pulp, a little bit of a pulp character to yeah. it. You know what I mean? That that sort of captain. You know. Whatever, Armageddon or but whatever it is. it's not steeped in any kind of continuity that I would have to know? No. That's what I was afraid of. Whenever I see DVD No, but they do. Front, I'm like, ah, they do hint, there's little there's references little yeah. that if you know what it is, you wouldn't. But it doesn't little stop the story at all. Right. Um, it's sort of like Indiana Jones. Is this spit. my top of the stack? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, I, I thought we were going to have a thumb rustle. But uh, there this. is a backup story that's written and penciled by Starlin, uh, the character that he created a long time ago called The Weird. Um, and he's bringing that character back, and and if you ever read that character before, it's it's a really interesting and weird character. But um, it's it's just a good fun. I mean, I just really enjoyed it, and like I said, the, the art was phenomenal. Yeah, you can buy it right now. Yeah, you can buy this issue. It's only uh, how much is it? There's no price. Three ninety nine. It's free. Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. So mystery in space with Captain Comet number one of eight. Check it out. All right. I'll go next. Okay, uh, I'm pick. I was gonna pick Mystery in Space, but then Sal beat me to it. So I'm gonna pick the all new Adam. And not just because John Byrne was on the podcast. I'm very conscious of not ass kissing. But um, what I love about the all new Adam is that it is a book that has a totally different feel from everything else around it right now at DC. Uh, it's weird. It has weird stuff in it that you're not gonna see resolved for a couple issues you got giganta you have tiny aliens who want to take over to earth versus some sort of cancer god and giganta seducing adam and it's just it's like a huge there's so much packed into every issue that i it's thought really it was the like, most complex work i've seen from gail simone it's like really? it takes a really yeah. long time to read, it's and it's a, yeah. worth it. Yeah, and, a lot of words the, in this thing. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot, of, and there's of and the quote. They're like they have the little quotes, like the asterisks yeah. with the quotes. But it's cool because they'll quote Einstein, and then they'll quote the JSA villain per <laughs> Degaton. You know, like it's all equal in that universe. Like stuff that an old JSA villain and Einstein says are of equal value. Like putting into it, it's a really dense read, but it's also I find really enjoyable. And I thought the art was some of the best burn work that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's very kinetic. He, threw, he looks like he threw himself into it's it. It's very kinetic. Cool. I mean, there's also there's not a talking dog in it, but in the last issue, the Adam <laughs> rides a dog down the street to like chase someone. What if we I move from monkeys like, to talking dogs? No, I just it's think just it's animals in general. I, I think, think yeah. I think 
people look at a character like the Atom, or and I think this includes characters like Ant-Man, and they say, what? who cares about a shrinking character? But someone with a really good imagination can take the world, you know, take a shrinking character and open it up to, like, how amazing, like, what a, whole, a totally a whole different world. universe all, to, like, yeah, go exactly. into and deal with, you know? A microverse, if you will. Which I think, oh. I, I think, Ooh. so keep your eyes open for Ant-Man, too, because I think, hopefully, Kirk and Huss are going to do that, parts, too, is... Yeah. You know, go Ir- into the that. irredeemable. So that's my top of the stack. All your life number and three. steal your wallet. Exactly. Um, I, I guess I can go. This is uh, a book I have really been looking forward to. We had a chance a couple months ago to sit down with Michael Avon Oming and then Ivan Brandon on uh, uh, two different days and talk to them about the Cross Bronx, which they are co-writing with each other. Michael Avon Oming is doing art duties on this book. It's it's one that I know I know that Sal and I, Tom, I think you've been looking yeah. forward to this also. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. great. I loved it. We seem to really gravitate and enjoy street level uh, comics. <clears throat> it's it just crime, kind of, baby. I like me some crime. It appeals to us, but this book is it, it does kind of move beyond just street level. It's uh, and I and I think Dave will probably jump in here it's with me. It's got the voodoo in it. it. It does have the voodoo in it. This is if you hadn't listened to those interviews, this is a story about uh, two cops that are partners in an area of of New York referred to as the Cross Bronx, and it's a very I believe Puerto Rican. Uh, neighborhood in it's very Latino. Yeah, I don't know. And there is uh, there's a there's a, a murder, actually multiple murders that are being investigated by. I never lived there, Dave. <laughs> Just because I'm Latino, I don't know every fucking Latino We're all community. Looking at you, right? you well, where do they all? Know? You know, don't you? You know where you all are. You know, it, it's actually a very a very complex story, which I do enjoy. It's not just a murder mystery. It deals with one of the detectives' home life, which is very dysfunctional, and it it, it, it kind of skirts around that, but you totally get the idea of what his life is also like. Also, his religious faith, too. His yeah, religious or, faith, or, or his relationship with his family, at how he's totally thrown into his job, and that is very consuming. Well, I remember Oming talking about that and, and how that was a big important part of this <coughs> book was was him questioning his faith and, and seeing where that goes, you know, as the story progresses. Yeah, so it's not just a crime story. It's it is very Ooh. much a, and it's very graphic. And we it's we have it open. Sure, my goodness. There it's there are some graphic elements okay. to it. It is and not in a in a sexual way. It's just it, it's it's pretty brutal. It's but but book. but yeah, it's it is a crime book. Uh, Omin's art has it, what what he's doing on Powers these days is just amazing, and this is a direct jump from what he's doing in Powers as far as just it, it's intense. You think so? I, I I almost thought it was you know. Well, this has been in the can for a while. Uh, I know that he finished, I think, this first issue up quite a while ago, but I love the art in it. I mean, there was no question... No, no, I'm not saying it was bad. I, I'm just saying... Oh, it's in comparison there's no to Powers? Question, yeah, there's no question that you look at it and you know it's it's Michael Avon Oming, but yeah. I thought there was a lot of stuff in here that, you know, he, he tried to flex some different muscles, maybe, and do really? some different things in it that I hadn't seen in, in Powers, especially... So the layout's different. From, well, that the layouts, and especially coloring-wise, I thought. Yeah, there was some um, really interesting... The colorist on uh, the Cross Bronx is uh, Nick Filardi. 
So uh, maybe, uh, and I think it's beautifully colored. So yeah, it's one to keep up. So uh, in a roundabout way, I, I love the book. The art was fantastic. The writing for a co-writing book was very solid. Uh, if you haven't checked out Ivan Brandon's other stuff, uh, NYC Mac or the uh, um, uh, anthology 24-7, which has a little bit of everybody in it, please check that out. But the Cross Bronx, really solid. Can't wait for the next three issues. I, I think this is going to be a very solid miniseries. What's also really cool is uh, in the back page he does something a little bit different. Uh, oh, the, back, uh, the yeah. rejection yeah. letters. Yeah, he actually uh, includes some of the rejection letters that he's gotten over the past 15 or so There were some years. pretty funny ones. And, in and it's really encouraging. The Steve um, Rude one was my favorite, some, the first one. It's really neat. I mean, it's kind of similar to kind of what they do in Fell where he's like talking about the process. Right. Um, and it's neat to see these creators with these creator like, you know, created books bringing it to a level where you're seeing what it's going to take to make a comic. Yeah. And it was really pretty cool of him to put those in there. Yeah, he's got some uh, Marvel rejection yeah. letters. Some DCs. Some DCs. <laughs> he has yeah. Marvel ones with that Spider-Man. Well, that's like uh, the... Uh, <laughs> I know that rejection letter. Tar- Todd McFarlane, he had, uh, they had a, Mocha had done the uh, oh, yeah. exhibit. And one of the exhibits there was like a case of... I don't know how many hundreds, hundreds and like hundreds, yeah, rejection, rejection letters that he'd received, you know, before wow. he had ever made it. And it's just oh, uh, uh, side note, uh, there's actually a uh, an ad in here for another uh, series which looks really cool. The Mice it's Templar. The Mice Templar, which is uh, going to be Michael Avenomian and uh, Brian J L Glass. What do you guys feel about this? Do you think it's just kind of like a, a mouse guard, like rip no, no, well, no, it he, looks he, cool, he had, dude. He had, he had mentioned about it. Yeah. Post when Mouseguard came out that they were ripping him he, off. Well, he put up some pages. He was like, "Oh my gosh, look at this! I'm doing a mouse thing too." And he put up pages. Okay. Yeah. Of his. I don't uh, think it's a case of anybody yeah, ripping anyone was, off. He was, work, he, he was working on it at the two people. Well, you know, two Kirkman totally ripped off uh, 28 Days on uh, on. Walking well, Dead. Well, walking yeah. dead. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, I think it was just a weird... A good idea is a good idea yeah. forever. Yeah. But I think it's a different type of story anyway. I think it's a different... It is. They just I mean, they just happen again. to be mice. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, it's like, well, are they just ripping off mouse? You know, both of those books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, at some no level, I mean... Rats of Nim. There you go. All right, Dustin, top of the stack. I was kind of torn this week because I, I knew you were going to pick Cross Bronx. Um, <laughs> before I even yeah, said I, it. Even before you said it, I knew that was going to be right in there. Um, I thought about doing Local, which was really great. I thought it was probably the best one yet. Um, Chris hated it. But no, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was at the height of my stack. Cause I actually, usually when I do my reading order, I start from indie to mainstream. That's kind of how I do my reading um, based on the forums. That way I know what's going to go on and you because know, everybody's going to read all the mainstream stuff. I know it's cliche. I loved the new Uncanny X-Men. It was action-packed. I, I haven't read it yet. I liked it. So I, I liked it. I've heard good things about it, though, so it, far. And, You're and, not and the it, first And it's one. interesting, in, in boning up for this interview, I actually went and reread the early hundred or so issues, you know, like 104 through like 110 of Uncanny X-Men. Um, <laughs> oh, um, God. And, <laughs> well, on the toilet. To ask one question. Well, yeah, my one moment of favor. I need to read 100 issues. And it was great because... And I posted this on the forum where I just happened upon the issue. It was issue 108. was the first issue where Nightcrawler actually teleports with somebody else. And he, he doesn't... That's the first issue that burned it. And, and it was the first issue that burned it. And the person he teleports is Lalandra. And he does it because they're trying to get her away and take her back, blah, blah, blah. But it's interesting because one of the big scenes in this fight is Nightcrawler teleporting somebody outside of a spaceship. 
and that was caused a little bit of a stir on the forum where people were like, well... Dave's like, oh, yeah, so I don't uh, think that could I happen. Was, I said, I'm not sure I buy that he would be able to exist out in space mm-hmm. for even a couple of seconds. I looked it up. I went to several sources, including the NASA site. I will admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong. A human being does not instantly die when they go out in space. They can probably live for a couple of minutes. But I so, thought it was it was a cool maneuver. I, I mean, was wrong. The, the whole scene, I mean, it, it reminded me why I became an X-Man fan. It, it's that you have these big scenes where you have to, and Brubaker even said in his interview, it's so hard to bring in everybody, and then he, when he realized he could write this book was when he realized that not everybody had to have a ton of screen time. Everybody could just be there for the big fight, and you could bring them in and use them as you needed. And that was what was so amazing about this book, is that everybody was there for the big battle. All of a sudden, you know, the shit hits the fan, and everybody throws down. And I had one of those moments where I wanted to just raise my fist in the air and be like, hell yeah! Yeah, they're back! Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm a fanboy. It's interesting. Like I said, I haven't read it yet, because I didn't get my books yet, but... um, you know, up until now, I hadn't really heard much about Brubaker's run on Uncanny, other than, eh, people are going, well, I'm kind of liking it, you know, I'm not sure. But then all of a sudden, it was like, this issue, I've heard... I think you know, he found his voice a, a for Half a dozen yeah. people yeah. go, wow, this was great, I really liked it, I really... So that's, well, well that's the last issue was a talking head issue. It was all just Vulcan floating through space, and he's kind of setting stuff up, and a lot of people were kind of like, ah, oh, I don't know, man, I don't know about this guy, but I, nobody was giving him time. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the the prime X Men was when they were throwing down every issue. Like something was some big shit some, was going yeah. on and <laughs> somebody came up and they had to throw a smackdown, yeah. you know, so they had to throw the cannonball special or whatever it needed to be, you know. <laughs> they, it, it it had to happen and, and it's great that he's using, you know, these characters in a great way that makes you excited and you wanna see what they're gonna do and you know, and Professor cool. X is a big jerk and you know mm-hmm. and you know, Darwin is, is really interesting you Darwin's know, very cool. You don't know what he can do yet, so like you know, Darwin is the new nightcrawler. You know, he's 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 Enigma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I I I think I think Brubaker is I think he found his voice for the for the series, this issue, and I'm really looking forward to what happens the next year. But it it did. It felt like that it felt like the very early Burn Claremont um, X Men, just kind of that feel. So um Mr. Wachter, you're top of the stack. Yeah. Hi everybody. Dave here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. With my top of the stack. Well, um, Didn't you already do this book once? No, I did not. Uh, Bruce Rosenberger is from this Bruce Rosenberger book. did it uh, a long time ago, All and right. I wrote a review on the blog when the trade, after the trade had come out, and I just think that this book is so good that it deserves... Multiple reviews. Multiple reviews. Do you have that trade? I love that trade. So, Will you borrow it to me? Yes. The book is but you have to give me Last of the Independents first. For those of you who can't see the book... <laughs> it is called Rocketo. Rocketo. And this is from Image Comics. And uh, issue 11 just came out. It didn't come out this week. It came out last week. But I knew Chris That's was okay. going to do the Cross Bronx. <laughs> so well, everybody was going to do the Cross Bronx. It was good. So I, had, I, I picked up Rocketo and I said yes. Because this is what you were just talking about, Dustin, is, is kind of the feeling I got with this is that you get that moment when you're reading a book and you want to stand up and just go, Hell yeah, man! Like, you just... It's just fuck like, yeah. yeah! Fuck or you! Fuck yeah! Fuck everybody! You just want to jump off the toilet and go, Damn, that's awesome! You want to punch a fucking mirror and say, Fuck all you! Right, all right, all right, all right. Tell me about <laughs> the book. But, but it, it's just great. It's been... Uh, so much stuff has been building up to this. And this is a, a story... 
That's just, I mean, if you haven't seen this book, I urge you to at least take a look at it. Go to the image site. I'm sure they have previews of the art. It's by Frank Espinosa, and this is sort of his book. He does the whole thing, right? He pretty yep. much does the whole thing. He has a co-writer in Marie Taylor, uh, but basically it's his book. He does all the art. And if you've if you've never seen it or heard about it before, it's a completely different kind of art than you're going to see in any other book that's out right mm -hmm. now. And it really is a beautiful, beautiful art. That's it is. I haven't read it yet. I keep me. I I, I did get issue zero. And, and I picked up issue zero like last year. Yeah, they had it at conventions. Yeah, it's epic. And I just haven't had a chance to. to it is, but it's, I, it's a whole new kind of. It takes place in the far future, but it's it's not a sci-fi. It's more of a mythological kind of thing. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it a almost has like a right, yeah. like you, you know, USC's kind of feel to it. Yeah, definitely. And it's just cool. All right, I'm gonna have yeah. to buy yeah, the trade. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you so borrow all the trades. See what you think. I absolutely loved it. It is. It's one of my top. Yeah, I, I know you've talked it's, about it. Before. It, it is. Every time a new issue is, comes out, it jumps right back up to the top of my favorite books. It is absolutely unique to any any other comic out there. All right, guys. That's uh, that's our top of the stack. Uh, great, great, great picks, guys. Actually, a couple things I, I haven't read yet. Uh, uh, I've been getting uh, Riquetto and Trade, so I may hop on the, the monthly on that. And uh, and, and are we gonna start doing like top of the stack, bottom of the pile, so we can like rant? So you no, can get out your rants no negativity. Rage. No Where? negativity. We're stopping. I said no. I said a couple oh, man, a couple kidding. off color things last week. I'm done. It's out of my system. Well, but no, but you know, week this week. I, I will say I will say though that. You know, like, and as much as it pains me to admit it, Matt asked from the forum, and who's been on the show before, and who's actually on Comic mm -hmm. Timing, um, you know, he brought up the point that it's like, if if you only talk about good things, if you only... You, you know, lose all your credibility. Sort of, you sort of, you know, and we never talk about stuff we don't like. We never, you know, really discuss books that we think don't live up to maybe the hype or don't live up I to... to <laughs> I would think there's a difference, the standard. There. There's a difference between liking everything and saying everything is great and only talking about the things Well, that's you what like. I said. Because there I are mean, things you don't like. Yeah, certainly. Just that's not what we're going to talk about. All right. Well, as long as everybody's in agreement with that yeah. and then they don't have... Because that's how I feel. It's like, hey, you know what? There's plenty of books I don't like, but I don't want to talk about them. But there's there's You're so many books out like there that are good. Right. I don't talk to people about all the movies I don't like. I don't sit around and say... Well, I, I kept going to go clear. see this movie a hundred times. You should go to the IMDb forums. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, well, all right. None of, us, none of mm -hmm. us picked Exterminators this week. Um, it was still a good issue. Oh, I thought it was great. What's well, a given that that's always, that's yeah, the around it, comics exactly. topic of the state. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was great, but, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't as That is like the, the one book stuff. that we yeah. all sort of just go, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, it's like the guys over at Film Spotting, they do their top five list, and they have a rule that they can never put Citizen Kane in a top five list because it could be in just about every top five top list. Five list sure. and, and so, yeah, for us, top like... Top five porno without, film. Without being said... <laughs> Yeah, ex exterminators top of the stack. Yeah, Goodbye. Uh, Rosebud so, was yeah. the name of Rosebud. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to wrap things up, uh, Speakeasy went out of business and by Queen of Country. So there we go. It's now a complete episode. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that's going to wrap up our show. We have a few announcements. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of the best comic book podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. Yeah. Uh, the forum, we already mentioned how amazing you guys were. 
Uh, yes, Dave, you had something. Handsome I, got, I, was gonna, I just wanted to plug my. New I website. was gonna tell you, Dave. Oh to, to, yeah, Dave's got a new I website. I didn't think of it until you just started mentioning things. But Did the I, chat clear? I have a, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, what, what? We have to check the account. Uh, I do have a new website that showcases my comic book art. It's and your kick-ass commissions. Can I also say that my commission is on the front page? It is. Dustin's commission is awesome. And it's uh, it's at. DaveDrawsComics.com. Now, for those of you who can't remember, it's DaveDrawsComics.com. Dave so uh, I just put it up. I was it? By and uh, if you like it, you know, I got my email address on there. So tell me what you think. Is and it the picture with Mojo with the big old man tits? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. I, I, I have to say... <laughs> You're going to have to get a bro or a man's ear going <laughs> Those on. mitts are incredible. I have to say, Dave, in all honesty, and, and I don't say this lightly in any fashion, but... Your commissions, your the stuff you've been putting out since like Wizard World, even before that, but like since Wizard World to now has just been unbelievable. I, I've the been Bhutan. blown away. That Animal Man you did was awesome. The 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 mojo the long and, and long yeah. shot was just unbelievable, man. You're doing a great job. I spent an entire day trying to find a way to get to Art Adams just to send it to him to be like, look at this. Like this is so <laughs> amazing. Like I seriously did. I was look, searching on the internet for so long. I like. I wanted to show, like, I went over to the Marvel forums and posted a link to it because I was like, this is amazing. Cause, like, I, I was so thrilled about it. It was really, it was Dustin's really happy. It's out of continuity, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, uh, John, John Suntress uh, has been actually milling around the, the comic shop He's tonight. always here. He lives He's, here. Yeah, he, 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 he follows us by. around. And <laughs> but he wanted to uh, nice. make sure I mentioned that uh, uh, Star Trek uh, uh, turned 40 today. Star Trek turns. Star 40? Trek turned forty yes. tonight. Yes. Has anybody? So. Has everyone watched the uh, Will Shatner roast? Oh my god! Oh, I seen it. so good. Betty White. So I, I want to marry her. And, oh, and George Takai maybe has the best well, segment. Takai, He's know. so really funny. Oh, it was so Classic. great. Takai takes shit all night long because he came out of the closet and, and everybody's right. just fucking with him the whole night. But then he gets up there and maybe does the best wait, segment. Wait, yes. George Takai's gay. Yes. Ooh, this sorry. Was that a spoilers? Spoilers. Oh, spoilers. Oh, oh, oh my. Oh my. I don't know. Why. The Lampanelli made him gay. <laughs> yeah, well, she'd make anybody. Got it. All right. Oh um, our September contest. Um, go to the forum Quiz. or Take go it. to the show, and then contest it as the trivia fun, challenge. It's fun, actually. I and had you, fun. And I don't day, like day after day after day. So now you have to. Jeez. See how I suck at it. I answer like two questions in like four minutes. You you were there while. I was taking. I, I answered eight of ten. Yeah, but correctly. I had to wipe all that out. I know, and then I ended up like five for Sorry. ten. I Thanks. Yeah, that's right. I, I think I got three. That sucked. Um, listener LCS challenge. Uh, thank it. you, Dan. Yes, more people, please, and send us uh, emails. Uh, vote vote for us at Podcast Alley. Uh, leave us iTunes music store reviews. Those are great. Uh, thank you again to GeekArmor.com, our sponsor for the show. Uh, oh, uh, yes. Listener survey. Oh, yes. We never did talk did about it? that. Listener I survey. Uh, we have a new survey up. Please take our survey. It'll uh -huh. take you a couple minutes to go through and answer some questions about if you listen to the show. Uh, there's a link on the site right on the top left-hand corner. Long, 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 about your underwear. <laughs> long and short of it, we are trying to procure some sponsors and not to not that we're going to quit our we're day whores. jobs. We're complete um, but, but we I need your money. Yeah. I bought um, a Lamborghini and I need to pay it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a small amount of sponsorships helps us buy better equipment, which makes for a better sounding show. And hopefully, Actually, I think yeah. our sponsorship is going to go to us going to cons. And, and it'll go to us trying 
that, that's what yeah. we're trying to do is we want to yeah. go to some more cons. We want to go to New York next year. We want to to hang out and have fun and yeah. get more interviews and make more. You know, that's, that's yeah. the Amazon store is really cool. Like if you're gonna buy something from there anyways, you might as well link through. I think uh, Dan from the forums mm-hmm. found a way that you could get credit <laughs> yeah. for like anything. So if you're buying a TV, of course Dan. Of course Dan did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but Dan, Dan found out. But for, you know, there are fractions of pennies in different transactions that are unaccounted for, right. and we can funnel that into the Around Comics Dan account. Dan found a way to credit Around Comics with, like, my birth certificate. <laughs> All right. Guys, um, definitely uh, tune in in, in uh, a couple days uh, second for the, the sec- second half of John Byrne. Don't miss the second half of the Byrne interview Don't next. And everyone, a few days have a fantastic uh, couple days until we come back for yes, the second half of that. Yes. We will be back uh, again for that, and then again next Monday with another full-length episode. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around if you would like to suggest a topic send us your comments or are interested in becoming a panel member email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website for that and the latest in comics news and opinions go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week, where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same, bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics. <laughs>